Hey guys, how you doing? This is JP Saricolia coming to you once again with another episode of H of Heroes, my podcast. I want to welcome all the uh, whoever is listening to the podcast and also to those who are watching through YouTube. Uh, thank you for your time. Welcome to the podcast. And I want to talk about Nintendo today. We are celebrating the 130th anniversary this week of this legendary Japanese company. Uh, the big powerhouse of the gaming industry, Nintendo, is definitely that old, 130. I wasn't even aware that Nintendo was that old. I knew it was old, but I didn't know it was over 100 years, 130 years to be exact old. And uh, it is an amazing thing. Of course, there's a lot of celebration online. You know, you're going to see a lot of videos in YouTube. You're seeing, uh, watching a lot of videos in YouTube. There's a lot of articles online. There's uh, on Facebook, everywhere. Everybody's congratulating. There are podcasts talking about it. Um, because definitely it's a lot to really consider. Nintendo has been a big part of our lives. You know, my experience with Nintendo started in the 80s with the, in this case, the Nintendo system. Uh, known as the Famicom and Famicom in Japan. Uh, definitely, it's um, it was an amazing experience back in the eighties playing Mario games, the Zelda games, Donkey Kong, all of that. But the history of Nintendo goes way back, you know, way way back. Um, Nintendo is even older than some of those uh, companies that are very iconic in, in, here in the West. Um, it's older than them, and it's not always not always been about gaming. Of course, they they cemented, they took gaming. They were not the first company to do it, but definitely they were. Uh, probably at, to this point, they are the most successful in managing, um, you know, their IPs and their goals, and definitely their culture. And uh, they have really you know, pretty much cemented their culture into our psyche to the point that we understand Nintendo. We love Nintendo. I, I haven't met a person, I would say, on uh, a lot of people in their 50s, you know, you know, younger than that, 40s, 30s, 20s, everyone ha can have a, share an experience with Nintendo because they have been part of us for, for you know, for many years, for, for pretty, pretty much almost 40 years, you know, at least in the West as we know them now. But they were prior to that even already uh, consolidating themselves in the market in the arcade business and prior to that. So I want to go and re revisit some of the history so we can really get to the nitty gritty of it, of the conversation today, because there's a lot that we can learn from Nintendo. And there's a lot, you know, there's an outlook for the future. There's a bright future now, but it was not always the case. And it has never been always the case, you know, it has never been that this company has always, you know, easy sailings through to the, to the future. They have to go through a lot of, up, you know, moments of difficulty, a lot of upheavals, but as a company, they have tried because they have maintained their goal as a company. And I definitely, every other company, all the gaming companies out there, but also any other person can learn from their, their experiences and also from their mistakes. Now, Nintendo started back in, um, going back to the history, and I'm going to use uh, Wikipedia because it's the most, I would say, informative. You know, you can find that you can go all day long through all the web trying to find a lot of information. There's a lot of books, a lot of information out there, but definitely Wikipedia kind of really encompasses everything very quickly. It's not the most accurate, uh, I would say, uh, way to get informed, but definitely it provides a lot of information for anyone. And it's constantly be, uh, being updated. Uh, it was founded back in, in September 23rd, 1889 uh, by Fusajiro Jamauchi. 
uh, Fusajiro um, was the, the the original owner of the company, and he created a, he started producing what we call the handmade uh, Hanafuda playing cards. The Hanafuda uh, cards are some painted cards for uh, particular games, and um, you know they have flowers, they're painted, and they're used for a lot of trading card games. Uh, kind of what we say trading cards, but a lot of playing cards, a lot of different games uh, in J Japanese games. Now, in the in the late 1800s, uh, a lot of these cars were banned in Japan because of the consideration of uh, gambling. You know, Japanese government was against gambling, so they were banned. But Hanafu, in this case, uh, Jamauchi didn't have that problem. He was allowed to to sell his cards. Um, because, you know, he was promoting in a different way. He was promoting this for more, mostly for like, you know, family games and, uh, and, you know, games for people to play different things. You know, I'm not really uh, familiar with the Hanafuda uh, gameplay, but, um, it, he tried throughout many years. That was pretty much in the beginning of the company and, uh, it grew up from that point, uh, until it was definitely throughout the thirties that from that time, they were very popular. Nobody else was competing with them. Uh, and definitely was until pretty much in the 50s, in the 40s and 50s and the 30s, actually, when, uh, in this case, Jamauchi um, definitely based his company in Kyoto. And uh, that's actually where his business was located. And, uh, and pretty much they tried throughout all those years, uh, from all the way from 1889 all the way to 1956. That's what they concentrated on. That was definitely the, the thing. But it wasn't until his uh, grandson, Hiroshi Jamauchi, Hiroshi took over the, the company in the 50s, and of course, he, he visited the U.S. Uh, trying to consolidate businesses in the U.S. with other companies, just to come to find out that the playing cards were not really that popular in the U.S., um, and definitely that really kind of shifted his idea, his intentions. He realized that um, the playing cards was definitely not a business for the future, not for Japan, not for anywhere else. So that's when they started going into different routes. He understood the importance of really um, being flexible as a business and really trying new things so this is in the in the 50s between the 50s and the 70s there were a lot of different ventures for nintendo also the name nintendo was changed uh actually i was looking at this he says that the word nintendo can be translated as leave lock to heaven which is kind of interesting or alternatively as the temple of free hanafuda so that's pretty much what it means but i like that leave lock to heaven but um definitely um through all those years, they understood that, you know, the, the cars was not the way for them to go. So they start going into different routes. Uh, they tried all different things. Uh, they were trying uh, even uh, part of a, a love hotel chain. Uh, love hotels are very famous, very popular in Japan, very well known. And it didn't work out. They, they tried to do a TV network. Didn't work out. They tried to do a, a food company selling instant rice. Didn't work out. They try even at, as a taxi cab provider, but definitely uh, they have to close down one down because they were having problems with the uni unions. So it was, they, they tried so many different things, trying to be alternative in so many ways, but nothing kind of stick. But definitely then they started going into the toy market in the 60s uh, and the toy market kind of really uh, give them a little more more free room. It seems that it was better for them. They, they, they were the creators of the Ultra Hand. If you know that little game toy where actually the hand extends, they were very popular when it was created. But uh, And they developed other toys, but they could never really compete. 
uh, really with the other companies that they already well cemented in the industry and the turnaround system, the turnaround that there was like Bandai and Tommy, they were faster in their production. They couldn't just produce as fast. So definitely that was something that it was not well, uh, it was not, it was a business opportunity, but not necessarily the best. They were the best uh, position in the in the industry. Then they start trying the in this case a lot of light gun games. They started uh, going into the arcades. They understood. They saw the potential in the market of the arcade market. But it was then in the seventies that things start changing. They also even uh, they they procured the the rights for the Magnavox Odyssey, which is an amazing thing because Magnavox Odyssey was the first actual home console. It started in the seventies uh, and they procured that in nineteen seventy four for the distribution in Japan. So they were really concentrated on the Nintendo. But it wasn't until nineteen eighty one when they were able to find their, I would say, their golden cow, their golden goose, and, you know, the goose of the golden eggs. In this case, it was uh, Donkey Kong. And Donkey Kong really uh, created by Shigeru Miyamoto. Um, Miyamoto pretty much changed the company in that moment on. Donkey Kong was such a success that... People were really going and flooding the arcades to play that game. It gave them so much cash, and the cash flow was coming to the point that they were able to invest in other technologies within the same uh, within the same industry, which was you know the games. So they started developing other games. They were able to actually license this through Atari, through Intellivision, and the ColecoVision. They were able to you know with that profit, they were able to invest in other things. And that's when they created um, the color TV game, which was something that actually they created prior to that, that they were already trying. uh, But definitely that's when they created the Game & Watch, which really became uh, another way, you know, pretty much that you can play. You can, the little thing, Game & Watch, remember, the little things that you can carry with you, you can play. Those things were phenomenal. They were the first, actually, company that really introduced the portable game systems. And that really changed the world. I remember playing them when I was a kid. Everybody wanted to have them. They developed even the D-pad from that moment on. The D-pad was created back then during that time with this, with in this case, the, the Game & Watch. But there was 19, in the mid, in the middle of 19, it was 1983, that's when Nintendo was introduced. The Nintendo, the Famicom in Japan. And it really took like fire. You know, the memories that I have is playing the Nintendo system. The original Nintendo system. I would call it the original, but you know, you know how you what I mean. The first Nintendo system that came to the West, that you know, with that power that really changed the world. And of course, then uh, the the Super Famicom, the, which is the Super Nintendo, which was an amazing experience as well. In the late eighties, started nineteen eighty nine, and the nineties was pretty much all over the place. And of course, you you have systems like the Game Boy that was introduced in the late '80s. That was something totally different. It was an adaptation. It was a, a, the progression of the game and, and in this case, Game and Watch. The difference with the Game and Watch is that you pretty much stuck with one game. You have to buy a Game and Watch for each game. It's just one game attached to the Game and Watch. But now with the with this case with the Game Boy, you're able to change the cartridges, which is an amazing thing. And definitely, it really changed the landscape. It really gave the company. Uh, so much leg way, you know, leg space for them to develop more technologies and so on and so on. They became such a powerhouse. And of course, you remember back in the early 90s, the battle between Genesis and uh, Super Nintendo. You know, there's so much history to talk about. Now, 
Nintendo has been part of us for so long. You know, he's been part of the industry from the Nintendo days, the, the Super Nintendo days. Then you have, of course, after that, what, what was that? The Nintendo 64, there was a really change in pace. Also, a new technology applied, the 3D technology, uh, the Game Boy Color. You got the Game Boy Advance, the GameCube, which also was an interesting concept. You got the Nintendo DS, the, you know, which is technically kind of changed the world. One of the most sold out consoles of all times you know even if you consider in competition with other of you know in this case with the wii which was an amazing introduction the wii u was definitely one part a dark part of the history but necessarily bad because it really became the step for what the nintendo switch is now and the 3ds nintendo has always been um love praise but also has been criticized by others because of how close tight is that you know close you know tight lip is as a company in regards to what they do. Uh, but you have to understand the mindset of a company that is not only thinking about today. A company that has been for 130 years is not worrying much about making quick profit. They understand the legacy of this company. A company that is this old has a legacy to live on. And they have to protect that legacy. And sometimes, you know, like I know particularly on the retro scene, retro gaming scene, a lot of people you know, complain a lot about Nintendo because, of course, they have shut down some ways as they, you know, that they distribute ROMs, I would say illegally because there's no legal manner of doing it. And people are going to argue about the, the legality of, you know, downloading your own roms from your own games you know we're not going i'm not here to discuss the legality of it uh in in this case um all the systems and uh everything that we do you know with our own stuff but definitely nintendo has always been very protective of it because it's not only seeing the potential of today it's not thinking about today in profit margins it's thinking about the future of their ips if you water down the you know in this case the the, the ways to get your product out If you uh, allow your system to people not see it as you the only venue to distribute those IPs, like Mario, Zelda, and all of that, then people, they start seeing, losing that respect of the desire to come to you. That's what big companies like Marvel or DC, they're very uh, jealous of their IPs. They protect them very tightly. Star Wars, for example, as well. They protect their IPs because it means a lot. It's a lot of money. Their name is on the line with it. Uh, Disney, they protect those IPs and they protect them because they know no, they they keep them protected the way they want to envision them then of course the future is clear for them people can continue going to them because they are already a proven formula like for example i can tell you one thing here i have the nintendo classic of course as you can see right here this is just inside then i have the other ones there too i love this because It, it has a lot of, I would say, memorabilia for me. It has a lot of good memories of my childhood, but well, of my childhood, <laughs> oh my hood. But um, the most important thing is uh, to me is how this, you know, the legacy that has been built because of things like this. So the quality of the products of Nintendo products have always been unmatchable. They understand the importance of maintaining that legacy, to maintaining what people remember. And they try because of that. Other companies are not as concerned on that. They're more concerned about distributing. And you have to understand that a company like Nintendo that also distributes its own products, they have a more, more to lose than companies that they only care about distribution. Uh, you know, companies like EA or other companies that definitely, they're not the developers of the product, they just distribute the product and they live by it. And their goals is just to, 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 to you know, to create larger margins for their, in this case, for 
the for the stock market for the, their investors. So I can tell you one thing: Nintendo. It's always and will always be remembered for being that a company that cares. And I can now the takeaway of this video, of this podcast today, it's uh, it's very simple. Uh, in live, you sometimes there's gonna be ups and downs. Nintendo's going right now in a. I, even people are saying this is a golden age for Nintendo. I wouldn't call this the golden age. The golden age was in the NES era. The golden age was before that. That's on the. And that was the the golden age. I would say that we're probably going through a bronze age if you come to think of it. Well, the golden age might be the Nintendo NES and of course the Super Nintendo. This might be the silver age, or it might be just the bronze age because if you consider the Wii uh, and what the Wii did. That Definitely, that was a very powerful thing. You know, the history of Nintendo has always been a lot of great successes, but also some failures. And, you know, come to think about it, five years ago, people were thinking that Nintendo was going out of business because, you know, they were not powerful. The Wii U was not doing well. Um, the systems were not doing well. It was doing good on the 3DS market because there was no real competition there. Uh, but it was not doing with good with the Wii U, and people say, and then it started going into the mobile, you know, mobile systems, going into games like that, and people were saying Nintendo's going to die. But Nintendo has thrived, you know, with the Switch has thrived and continues to thrive and showcases that it's not about. There are times you learn from your mistakes and you move on. And they have learned from that. And I think the takeaway from all of us, uh, from any other company, is that you learn from your mistakes and you move on. You find ways to really produce, you know, you protect your product, but you move on and you deliver the quality of games. And there's something about you can say about Nintendo. It's more about quality and has always been about giving you the best quality. Yeah, some people might say that when systems like this come out, the scarcity is always played out by Nintendo, you know, but you have to remember it's the demand that really bring sometimes the scarcity you know not only the fact that they probably they don't send or they don't produce as much but you you have to keep remember they don't produce as much as other companies do and they do it in very limited quantities but when you get a, a product from nintendo you get in good quality yes you know sometimes they come with some issues like the new nintendo switch Lite that already has some issues with balancing and all that but um Things like this, Nintendo stays uh, on top of those things. And yeah, there are a couple of things here and there. But for the most part, the quality is unmatched. You know, you get a Nintendo product, you get good product, you know, overall. You know, I have DSs and Nintendo 3DSs that have been charged in years. And I can go to my Nintendo DS, the original Nintendo DS, turn it on and still, you know, if it still has, you know, any charge, it's still going to light on. It's still going to start. And, um... I cannot say the same for my PSPs. I cannot say that for the PS Vita. I cannot say that for other companies and other handhelds. Definitely, you know what you get. You get some good products. So Nintendo is king on that in the gaming industry. But what is your opinion? What do you think? Do you have any fun memories of Nintendo? I certainly do. I, I enjoy growing up in the 80s and, of course, in the 90s playing the systems. And uh, to this day, I still play them. I still play the Wii. I still play the Wii U. I play these consoles. I play the 3DS. I play them because they're fun and, you know, you know, I played these games time and time and time again. So, my friends, thanks for watching. Please share your thoughts and down below. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're following me, uh, following me through the different uh, apps that listen to the podcast, you can come to uh, Facebook or you can also share your thoughts through, uh, in this case, Twitter. Take care, my friends. God bless, and I'll talk to you again. Bye bye.